Time out. We're going to change batteries. Do you have another battery? Yes. I have oh, other batteries. I didn't think you had one. Okay. We should still be pretty. Where did we leave off? Oh, you want to start or you want me to? I'll, I'll, I have a question. Uh, okay. I have a question for you. From Atlanta, where people who drink unsweet tea are shamed in public. It's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell and a man who edited his own podcast interview, John Mihalik. What kind of bullshit is that? You can so selectively make yourself sound way better than anybody else could have had they had the power of editing their own interviews. Ooh, I, I remember when uh, the podcast was doing the trial run and you guys interviewed me. Woo! It's a wonder I can get on stage because <laughs> talking about myself and talking with people about me doesn't happen. I don't know. It's bad. I don't, who else is like that? Who likes to talk about themselves anyway? I appreciate that that never went on the air that I know of. All right, everybody. Welcome to The Whole, Whole World, World Podcast. Podcast. I'm Jip Powell, and my co-host is... Tanya Wagner. Um, we have a very special guest today. It's my usual co-host, John Mihalik. Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be on my own podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. John, we're so happy you could join us on this dreary Sunday afternoon. I want to go all the way back. Oh, John, where did you grow up? I just feel so many things getting ready to come back and bite me in the ass mm -hmm. for 50 episodes. Let's just start with, where did you grow Where'd up? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. I'm so sorry. Um, so was I. <laughs> so how did you end up from Toledo, Ohio in Atlanta, Georgia? Sort of take us take us through your life, John. Oh God. Yeah. Um I grew up in and around Toledo, Ohio. And actually my first experience with theater was at high school. As with so many stories, it's about a girl whose name was Christy. Mm -hmm. And this was at Clay High School, the first high school I went to. And the Drama Club was having problems putting together all of the um, set pieces for um, whatever show that they were doing at the time. You know, she learned that my grandpa was a master cabinet maker from the old country, Slovakia. And I remember... From the old country, the old Slovakia. Country, that, that's what they... That. Well, it used to be Czechoslovakia, but they called it. It's what they always call it, hey, the old country. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa, he had a uh, hey, talk mm -hmm. like this. Uh, he smoked a uh, camel unfiltered all his life. You, yeah. you just made a new character. <laughs> he was a real man. <laughs> I've been told a far that. cry from your German last night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hans is nothing like Grandpa. Um, anyways, I remember us like measuring wood and playing with nails and hammers. So like, I picked up a lot of rough carpentry. So I go in there and. I start building platforms for them. You know, they said, we just need some four by eight platforms. And I'm looking around. I'm just like, okay. And so I just like walk away. And the technical director at the time, he like watches me. Like I'm just over by myself there. And I come up at the end of the, I come up like here, pff, here's your first three. And he's just like, are, are you coming back tomorrow? <laughs> so I ended up doing set pieces. And then I finally, for the 
musical that year, it was The King and I. Mm -hmm. So not only did I make set pieces, but I ended up being the stage manager for that because it was lack of options. Everybody else was leaving. Well, and your bossy nature. (laughs) Shots fired, John. Shots fired. What sort of nature does Chip have? Let the record show three minutes and 37 <laughs> seconds into the episode. We are not good together, John. <laughs> and I am going to suffer for it. Anyways, yeah, I started doing that more and more. I did a summer stock theater in Finley. I even got into acting a little bit. What was your first role as an actor? It was the stage manager in Our Town. Okay. I was the stage manager for Our Town, and then I got on stage and played the role of stage manager in, in, our, in town. our town. Yeah, but that was my first role. I did a role in The Foreigner. I can't remember. I was the evil henchman in The Foreigner. Mm-hmm. And then theater just sort of dropped for a while. Because you did what? I had a brief, ill-fated college career. There you go. <laughs> well, so what do you do after your brief, ill-fated college career? What do you do? It leads me into the U.S. Army. I graduated in 90, I just sort of floated around for a few years, and then I, in 95, I joined the Army. It's one of the best, you know, my mom and dad kind of pushed me, even though mom and dad are split up, they're still mm-hmm. really close. They just sort of, no, you're on your own. Both of them just sort of said that. And that's the best thing they ever did for me, because I joined the Army. And I want to talk about that, because yeah. we get a lot of, like, doctors, lawyers, business professionals that come through here. We don't get very many Army folk. Yeah. Unless they're on crew. They're a stage manager, house manager, like, you know, because they're bossy. (laughs) So what did the Army teach you as a person? Because you have that air about you. It's a very calm thing that you do, but it's very precise. And I love that about you. It's very structured. Like you want to like stay on task. Yeah. Like, do you think the military sort of instilled that that in you? Like, how did the military affect you? I think it refined it, what you're talking about there. I I was always one of the smarter kids. and Humble brag. Yeah, yeah <laughs> humble brag. Well, well, no, I, I thought of being a scientist at one point in my life, mm-hmm. you know, but obviously my brief ill-fated college career put an end to that. But, you know, just logically approaching things, mm-hmm. um, seeing what is the pattern here, how can we work this pattern to what we need it to be. And the military certainly honed that with discipline. I was about to ask that. What was the discipline and like getting up and your day and structuring your day or how did it go? Oh, yeah. Well, it's not even just army life. It's all military life is structured life. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything's going to be structured for you. Yeah. You know, you're going to wake up. Revelry, you got 10 minutes to get to PT, okay, then you've got an hour to first formation in front of the company. So it really was like that. But what military really does do for you, though, is it knocks your ass off of whatever high horse you think you're on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, I'm self-actualized enough to know that, okay, yeah, I was a douchebag and Anybody, you know, any of you who, uh, if you could go back in time into the um, 80s, 90s and met me in Toledo, you wouldn't have liked me. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but no, it, it did. It helped me. It refined it, that, the methodology that you learn how to approach even the simplest of tasks in the most dedicated manner to pay attention to the smallest details is something that the army teaches. So that's how I 
you know, I try not to overlook anything, but I re always remember in the army saying, you know, Halleck, why aren't you looking at detail? You know. So let me ask you this. How do you, because you mentioned uh, very logical, mm -hmm. very logical. How do you turn some of that being so very logical off on stage? I sort of feel like improv might be maybe some sort of release for you because I think you are very logical and very tactical in your day. How do you turn it off when you come on stage? So one of the nicest things someone, anyone has ever said to me was, wow, John, you've got wicked left brain, right brain crossover. How I actually got to Atlanta was from the military. When Fort McPherson was still open, I was assigned there in 98. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I met some of the friends I have now. And that's actually where I started writing my novel that got rejected. Your novel? Yes, I have a novel that was rejected. What's it about? It's a sci-fi novel. Well, why don't you shop it again? Because I'm writing a new sci-fi novel. I didn't know this about I you. I did not know that you were a writer. Uh, yeah. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. We're not going to glaze over this. I mean, I mean, seriously, you're dropping bombs here. I know. We're not. So let's talk about this. We get it sci-fi. What is it about? Give us the like 30-second synopsis. It was a novel about the nature of reality and how people who interact in that reality can start committing crimes and, uh, you know, just starting to take advantage of other people. And here we had a lone hero standing amidst it all. So it was a love story. Um, there was a love story. <laughs> In the desert. Yeah. You wanted 30 seconds. Okay. I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I knew there was a love story. I knew when you said yeah. the lone hero, I was like, yes, oh, it's a love alone. story. Yeah. It's a defining characteristic, but yeah, no, no. So it was an exciting action-packed thing that now is sitting, I think, in my upstairs closet collecting dust. Well, let me ask you this. So you are in the military mm -hmm. and you're living the military life. What's your profession at that time in the Army? So the designation was 31 Sierra, Satellite Communications Operator and Maintainer. Shit. That's it's above deep. my pay grade. <laughs> It helps if you're a little smart, humble brag. So you could steal somebody's cable. <laughs> you could tap Chip's phone. So, and sometimes my dad listens to this. I love you, dad, but I'm going to make fun of you. Yeah. Um, all the technical things that I can do and what I do is I work on designing, developing, building, maintaining, testing, and operating machines that communicate over a satellite. I did that in the Army. I still did that after the Army in civilian life. But as far as my dad's concerned, the greatest technical feat I've ever accomplished was I hooked up high-def TV <laughs> from the cable box to his TV. I knew you were going to say that. God. I love you, Dad. <laughs> did, did he have three remotes? <laughs> did you help him with that? I bought him a universal remote once. He thought this thing was just... One of the gigantic <laughs> universals. <laughs> It was one of those program yourself, and I just like, Dad's program. Don't worry. Here's, here's what you push. Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, where beautiful people bring you the arts while surrounded by singing birds and fairies. They must have us mistaken for something like Shakespeare in the Park. Or the vagina monologues. Vagina. Okay, so you're doing all this. Uh -huh. Who's this woman that you meet? Because 
We know. We know you've reproduced. You've That's reproduced. what we're saying. <laughs> how does that come about? We want to know that, John. So to learn how to be a 31 Sierra, turns out you get stationed at Fort Gordon outside of Augusta, Georgia. That's where Augusta comes in. Okay. That's where Augusta comes in. Okay. And I... Um, I made myself this little promise. I'm going to get contact lenses for myself if I could get through basic training. So I did. And I walk into this one place in the mall. I forget what it was called, but it was just like, "Uh, we can't get you in today. Then I walk into this little Pearl Vision in Augusta Mall. And there's the receptionist. And I'm just like, oh, hi. And this receptionist, uh, her name was Heather. And yes, she became my future Mm ex-wife. So um, when did you guys get married? Um, was it a whirlwind courtship or were you guys together a long time? It was unique. Um, so I spent, it was about a year at Fort Gordon and then I got my first duty assignment, which was in Panama. Yeah. When I say I went to Panama city beach, I went to the actual in central America, Panama city beach. So I got a two year tour there. So it was sort of just like, well, goodbye. We both hated it, but you know, look, the army. Mm-hmm. You're going to Panama whether you like it or not. So we kept in touch. And this is two years that you're in Panama that you're saying you guys kept so, in touch. So yeah, it ended up being a little under two years because, you know, at the time for all you history buffs out there, you know, the carter Torreos Treaty, we were turning over the canal zone mm-hmm. to the Panamanian uh, government. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they were drawing down the military forces. And I just randomly got drawn down. My position was eliminated, which meant I was getting reassigned. And I, you know, my first sergeant calls me and I was like, ah, you get a curtailment? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, you're going to Fort McPherson. Where's Fort McPherson? Mm-hmm. Like, Atlanta. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, Heather's going to react well to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So when I got back, it was about 98. Then when I was at Fort Gordon, we ended up obviously dating again. And then I asked her to marry me about a year later. When did you guys get married? What year? 99. Oh, was it low? Was it late 98? Yeah, it was October 3rd, 98. So I must have, no, I'm sorry. So I must have been there late late 97 because I remember I had a, yeah. Look, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Well, no, but I want to talk about the best thing that came out of that, which is your daughter. Oh, thanks. You know, I mean, you have, like, you're always so committed. Like, I know that you step outside during, you know, the time that we download a show to the time we do a show, and you always make a call to her. Like, let's talk about her influence on your life. Obviously, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's tough, you know, being a divorced dad, um, being... The, the only way to work in Augusta, if you do what I do in satellite communications, is if, you know, maybe you know somebody, you know, Fort Gordon just didn't have enough space. So I managed to catch on here in the Atlanta area with some satellite companies. But I always wanted to make sure that, you know, you know just even if it's just two minute conversation that, you know, mm-hmm. that I was, I was still thinking about her. Yeah. Well, you're a good dad and we oh, love thanks. that about you. So you are married, you have a kid, you're divorced, and now you're in Atlanta, right? Yeah. So why the hell do you come to improv? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of the um, guys I worked with, a guy named Jim Carroll, he, he talked about a comedy show that he went to the punchline to see a friend of his. He was graduating a comedy workshop, and that's how I found out about the Jeff Justice workshop. Oh, yeah. So I even told Heather that night, 
that I was like, oh, I want to do this. And Heather, she goes, no, you can't do that. What? And she goes, if you do that, you're going to be on the road all the time, and I'm going to be the only one here with Katie. And I'm like, I guess that's a backwards compliment or some sort, because I'm like, Heather, you've jumped down. There are several significant rungs of this ladder. Mm -hmm. But So finally, it was when I got divorced, and it was rough getting divorced, but it became an outlet. I finally just like, well, I'm going to go take that. And I was always a class clown. Like all the people that I worked with at my first company here, Datapath, you know, even Ford when I got out or even in the military, I was always performing anyways. I'm always cracking jokes or doing things. Or you know how you get inside jokes at a workplace, Mm -hmm. corporate America, you know, and just like, I would be that guy that did that. So I just thought this would be cool. And then I took the course. I loved it. Jeff is amazing as a teacher. I did the first grad show. And in the first grad show, I improvised. You go up there with five minutes of rehearsed material. I jumped. I went off script in my first grad show. There was a lady. It turns out that this lady was the head of the Georgia Public Speakers Bureau, one of those organizations. But she had this huge straw hat on. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and she laughed at a joke, and I just happy to look at her and go, yeah, you get it, don't you? And I reached down and I grabbed her hat. I don't know what I was thinking. I just riffed on the hat. Oh, wow. And then I put the hat down, and I looked, and I went, oh, oh shit. Then I finished it, and I got heckled, and I answered the heckler. <laughs> you know? Wow. <laughs> I got off of there, and my mind is just going nowhere, you know, and I get in there. Jeff is just grabby. He just hugs me so hard. He just goes, I can't believe you got the hat. You got heckled. You did it. So anyways, that goes on to, I started doing open mics. I did the second level of his comedy workshop. But one thing Jeff always talked about having is every comedian needs a persona on stage. So, hey, where's a good place to work on your persona? Especially if all the feedback you're getting as a comedian is on the stuff that you're just riffing with when you're off script. So I had gone to this uh, improv show at Whole World Improv Theater once, and so I signed up for one of the workshops, and I've been here ever since. You didn't go to the Whole World Theater? Tanya, don't start with me. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was really funny. Beat the shit out of you. (laughs) Humble brag. (laughs) So, John. I don't know. Keep talking amongst yourselves. No, no, no. Trust me. I kind of prefer that. Well, you know, so you get the whole world. What's your, Mm -hmm. so your first grad show, what's that like for you? What was the class program like? Back it up a little more. Yeah. What was the class program like? Was it the six months? Did you come through on the six-month class program? Yes. Okay. Talk about that a little Yeah. In fact, I think you were like one of the classes before me. I think I was the... I think you might have been like the one before me. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. My first teacher here was Lauren Goines, and it was culture shock. Because the skill set for stand-up and the skill set for improv are just completely different. It's not apples, oranges. No, it's apples, watermelon. It's way apart. Was it kind of like mind-blowing coming from stand-up? Because I've taught some people before who have come from stand-up, and it seems like there's a really, really big struggle there because they want to throw a punchline in because that's what they are trained to do, and it's a very hard habit to break. Yes, The short answer to your question, yes, it was hard. My problem wasn't so much trying to slip in a punchline. My problem was I was trying to plan. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so this is my scenario here. Okay, so I I kept thinking about, okay, so here's our premise. If we go over here, we can make a laugh, but then the 
scene goes somewhere else. And so I would get lost. It just took time for me to just, uh, kind of bang my head against it. I don't know if you guys know. I almost dropped after three months. But Lauren and I had a talk and she goes, look, you're getting better at this. Give it a chance. That's why I signed up for the other three months and took the six month. And, and I got out of that. And then it just started becoming really, really fun. When I let go and just started following my partners, it got really fun. It was out of my comfort zone, but it was really fun. Who was your second teacher? Well, my second teacher, the only teacher for advanced games at that, would you like to comment on who that would be, Chip? No, no, I wouldn't. Why don't you tell our listeners? So yeah, advanced games. I had a different story as a student here because I was here so often during um, my first six months here that you know I got to know all of the other, at the time there were the unusual suspects, but I'm just, can I help you with that? Give me a mop, give me a clipboard. So I ended up becoming a student volunteer. In fact, I even got on the first schedules when backstage was up there. So when I was doing that while, uh, you know, Chip was my teacher. Mm -hmm. So what was, what was it like? What were you, um, were you intimidated going into advanced games? Was it a couple of classes combining and going into advanced games? It was a couple of classes because, you know, that's why I was rambling about this senselessly because I don't know what to do as an interview subject. Um, well, so what's it like being taught by me? Yeah, like, well, yeah. that's where like, we're going. That's where we're, yeah. <laughs> Let's just hit the punchline right away. Someone can fix this. In no, you know what? Um, I had drill sergeants, so there was nothing that Chip could do. Thank you. And everybody listen to this. Thank yeah. you. I think he's calling you a drill sergeant. Exactly, and he should be because... <laughs> After you've had drill sergeants in your life, Chip ain't gonna affect you. Chip isn't See, gonna affect you. I'm no, I'm not as bad as a drill sergeant. I never took anything that you said to me as a student personally. Um, mm. And maybe that's because of drill sergeants or whatever else. But I've also been the sort of person that just like, just say it, you know. So yeah. if you know, and Chip, you do believe in tough love at times. You've given me tough love at times, oh, yeah. but I was, I, I've never held it personally. I just you. don't feel that. It's not tough love. It's it's straightforward. Yep. And if you are, if you reveal yourself to someone and you say what it is that you have to say, if it's received, then we move forward. Yeah. If it's not and you're offended, and you might go away, but you never did. And John, I think that through that whole process, the one thing that always impressed me was that you were always here. And you never let any of that bog you down. You were one of the best house managers because you were very militant in how you house managed. And you were on it. And I always looked at that as integrity for someone that we would want to move forward into our company. Someone who cared. Someone who wanted to make it better. Someone who wanted to make sure that it was protected. And those are the qualities that moved you into Maincast. So uh, thanks. let me ask you this, because uh, this is kind of what I was getting to, because I'll just say uh, for me, moving into advanced games in that same era, it was um, a little bit intimidating. Did you ever feel any intimidation? And what I mean by that is you are going to be learning from like the artistic director. So you don't want to screw anything up. I almost put like this weird, and, and this was all like self-created by me, this like weird, like pressure on yourself to like do a great job, get everything right. I mean, did you feel that way kind of going into advanced games? I may have started with a little bit of pressure, but I was Chip's house manager. I mean, I knew, I remember once there was like a bowling party that, um, 
can't remember Jeremy Lee, Jeremy and um, Tracy. Tracy, yeah, Tracy Lee put together. And I was like, I'm a student, but I got an invite. So I painted showed duck. Up at the paint, yeah. And I was just like, everybody's just like, oh, hi, even Chip. So it's just like, I knew that, you know, he's a reasonable guy outside of there. He's just trying to teach, you know, I had seen how, you know, in the last episode, you know, Chip was uh, really open about sometimes you have to give some tough notes. I had seen him give tough notes, but one thing, and I mean this sincerely, Chip, is that you don't take anything personally. Everything rolls off your back. If something's wrong, and, you know, you have it out. And then you don't hold a grudge against anybody. So I knew that. And any time that I wanted to ever ask a question of Chip, that's from this to even this day, you've always answered. Or you'd text me, hey, can we do this tomorrow? Or, yeah, or you, get feedback you from your around? other instructors or your other MCs and to put a thoughtful. I always want to make sure that the answer is thoughtful. Mm-hmm as to what you're asking. And to do that, I sometimes have to reach out to the other MCs, the other instructors, like, where are you in the program and what are you doing? So the pressure went away. Fairly quickly. Yeah, fairly quickly because you know what Chip, I don't know if you've ever said this as the word, what Chip wants here is professionalism. Mm -hmm. He wants a level of professionalism. You know, like, look, show up here, show up on time, show up ready to work. Right. Show up ready to perform. Well, I shouldn't have to tell you these things. Because that leads to respect. And that is the respect that you're showing the other performers, the crew members, everything you're doing. And then perform and give it your all because then that's the, the package. Yep. You've got the the whole deal. You've done it. You've shown up. And sometimes that's what I'm saying is like apprentice members can come into the group sometimes not just based on performance, but based on attitude as well as they're willing to learn more and grow, but how they're presenting themselves to the company, how they're supporting other members within the company. Oh, for sure. I think good energy on someone goes a really long way. If it's someone you want to be around that brings a lot of positivity, I'm all for it. I think it's really great. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about when you finish advanced games. Let's talk about when you finished advanced games. Now, if I remember correctly, when we finished advanced games, we finished with a showcase that was two hours long. It was just like a classic show. Mm -hmm. Yes. With an intermission, everything. Yep. So talk us about finishing up your showcase and then what the next steps were for you. The biggest thing I remember from the advanced games grad show is something that uh, Chip did. We had done Impers, but we had never seen the Impers newscast before. And I remember, you know, there were 11 people in the class. And then he looks at me because, John, listen to me. You're describing what I had to do as the host of the Impers newscast. Mm-hmm. And like, look, I'm giving you the power here. You're going to go from this person to this person to this person. And it ended up being um, Jennifer, Josh, and I think, yeah, David. And I'm just like, he's trusting me like this? Fuck yeah, let's do this. Like scribbling <laughs> in my notebook, right? And that was probably my favorite scene there was Mm -hmm. the Emperor's newscast scene. Um, But I enjoyed the whole show. I was just like, wow, he trusted me like that. Mm -hmm. You know, that he had that kind of faith in me just in, I mean, that was almost right, right there. That made the show for me. If you are looking to enhance your awesomeness and meet sexy new people, you need to take a class at Whole World. We offer a 10-week class for adults at all levels. Whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced improviser, 
you'll learn the whole world approach to improv and have a blast doing it. I know I did. For students who progress through the advanced class, the entire program culminates with a big, big show. On the legendary whole world stage, all the actors at our award-winning theater have gone through our class program. And now it's time for you to take the stage. That's right, you. You know you want to. Get that neuroplasticity going and gain confidence at the same time. Go to the classes page at wholeworldtheater.com to register. Or for more details, you can email our associate director, David Owen, at david at wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, that's theater spelled with an R-E because we're fancy. So when did you find out after the show that you were going to be an unusual suspect? Yeah. Is that what we, still, that, okay. we were still suspects. We graduated in October or like last week of October, first week of November or something like that. And um, I didn't know if I should still be coming here, but I was on the schedule. Yeah. And like the whole time, even in the huge, like almost year gap between my basic and my advanced games, I was still coming to jam. So I kept coming to jams. I was on the schedule. I was going to honor those schedules. I don't know if you remember it, Chip, but you got the flu or you got something that just knocked you on your on your ass. I think it was the flu. Yeah. So I didn't hear anything. It was like the end of the year came by and like, you know, we were being told, oh, no, 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 Chip's going to get back to you. Chip's going to get back to you. And I'm like, no, Chip's not getting back. I got put on the schedule again for December and I just sort of, okay, I'm going to honor those shifts. Mm-hmm. And- Chip was going to, I knew Chip was going to call me. And when you called me, it was the first of the year in 2014. I remember you and I just talked like for five minutes. It's like, how you doing, Chip? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some sort of uh, parasite that I had picked up in Mexico. <laughs> and they couldn't figure out what the hell was going on with This me. is your next sci-fi yeah. novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got, it's called Parasitic Mex- Mexicali. <laughs> um, but uh, it was a very rough probably two months that I went through that. And they gave me everything you could think of. And I was just, I had lost uh, probably 50 pounds. I was the thinnest. I wish I could get one again (laughs) because I was the thinnest I had ever been in my life. I was so sexy and thin. And um, I was like, damn, I need to go back to Mexico. I'm going back to Mexico. And I'm going to lick everything. (laughs) I'm going to do the exact same things I I did. Get sexy again. But I was coming out of the tail end of that. I mean, it was so rough. And And I went to another doctor, and my doctor got upset that I went to another doctor. And I was like, no, excuse me, but I need a second opinion because something has got to give because I am not able to eat and hold anything down. It was crazy, but um. Damn, I really wish I could get one of those again. <laughs> yeah, I look good. But anyway, so that's when I was like, all right, we got to start reaching out to these people and getting them because everybody was kept saying, you really need to call these people. And I was like, I'm going to call them. And You're so, like, I'm dying. I can't get I'm, off I my couch. Really, seriously, I thought I was dying because I was like, yeah. that was it was the worst time ever. And I never wish that on anybody. But, um, but. Um, I do wish I could get it again. And then uh, <laughs> you rarely hear the pro parasite yeah. argument. You really, it's really rare to hear that. It's I a mean, love story. I've got pictures. <laughs> I look, 
I have pictures. I look so good. I look so good with the parasite. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so I call you and like, what's your response to me calling you? Well, after we talked like that, I mean, I was just like, I was just like on cloud nine. I was just like, everybody I was working, you know, working with everything like that. E- even the night of um, the graduation night, I remember um, Donovan, I remember Donovan saying like, hey, we can't wait for you to join us. I'm like, mm-hmm. it was like, there's some steps there. And he just looks at me and just like, Gah. right. And I was just like, well, thanks for your confidence in me. But now once I heard it, I was just like, ah, I didn't just spend two months there just wiping floors for nothing. Well, we still wipe the floors. Yes, <laughs> we do. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a real, I remember I called my dad right after he was excited. Take us through the apprentice journey. What do you, what was your apprentice journey like? Because I feel like um, everybody's apprentice journey is different, but yet the same mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yes. One way mine was different was I already knew all of the other unusual suspects. All right. So that intimidation, they're like, oh my God, I don't really know these people. I know these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I already knew these people. They already knew me. I didn't feel intimidated. I was anxious just to play. I got a hang of, instead of being in jam, being in rehearsals, mm-hmm. You know, I just started to learn everything in their rehearsals. And I was just like, wow, this is really cool. So what do you think you learn being an apprentice and doing the cruise shifts? What do you think you learn? Because the cruise shifts are always done during a show. What do you, what do you think you learn? I think um, we are here, all of us, to put on the best show possible. Even if you're in a crew position, that's still a part of it. Okay, you know. Yeah, mistakes happen, but you know, you want your lights coming up at the right time. You want your sound cues coming up on the right time. You know, you, you want to make sure people are seated at the right time. I looked at being an apprentice as sort of like being like an intern. Okay, you know what? I'm going to work these three shows, but I'm going to get all of this improv knowledge on the back. But while I'm here, I want to make sure that we're doing the best we can for the best show we can. And then I took that kind of into the learning too of. I want to work hard, not just for me, but for the people around me too, because we're all going to be performing together, getting to know each other. And we've talked a lot about it on the podcast, just staying late after the people have gone and it's just us. The fun things that happen just in rehearsal, I swear, and I know you guys will back me up on this. Some of the funniest things that we've seen at this theater where it was just us. It was just us in a rehearsal or it was just us before a show. I try to keep that too. Um, I had a very long apprenticeship, if that's what you're getting at. No, I... Um, <laughs> well, no, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that though, because uh, I like what you said. I mean, I, I think our apprenticeship program is set up with the three cruise ships per month because I think it's twofold. I think uh, one, we are... Um, you know, we are a theater that we all have to help keep running. So we have to have that crew. But two, I think it is set up to be a teaching experience. To be a but teaching I also theater. think, too, that you can't put a time Correct. stamp on what your process is. Mm-hmm. And you have to follow that through, which I think you did. But even at the top of the pandemic, you were like, Chip, I'm taking time off. I'm walking away. And I was like, okay. And then I contacted you and I said, there's sketch writing at Sketchworks. Why don't we, at the top of the pandemic, why don't we, I'll pay for you to take the, let's take this class. And he gave me the best gift ever, which is a Trapper Keeper, which I love and I still have. And I absolutely love that Where did you get that? I want a Trapper Keeper. Richard's Variety Store. 
Bears. They have them? They had them. And I will say this, that not everyone's going to make it to main stage. Right. Right? You have to work for it, and you have to fight for it. But it's also to understand that there's other potentials inside of these people that work with us. And so I'm always saying like, maybe writing might be a thing for you. Maybe instructing might be a thing for you. Like, let's explore. Like before you just take off and say, fuck off, Saranara, um, pardon me, Spotify world, um, <laughs> for using that, that language. But it's also to say, you know, okay, wait a minute. If you can take a breath and take a break, sometimes you can repurpose yourself in this industry. Maybe I'm a better writer. Maybe I'm a better instructor. Maybe I'm a better this. Maybe I'm a better MC, right? And I've heard that over the years. But I didn't want to give up on you, which is why I thought if we do the sketch writing, that might respark what's going on here. And then, and it did. It did. And you're now main cast. So bravo to you, John Mahalik. I think yeah. that struggle of saying, you know, I'm going to take some time off, that's not an uncommon struggle. And I think Chip did the right thing in saying, let's find another creative outlet because mm-hmm. you need this. You just may not know you need it right now, Mm -hmm. but you need it. Well, no, you're right. And I am forever grateful that you reached out to me like that. Well, because I will say this. You are the kind of person that we want. You care. You fight for it. You protect it. You honor it. And that is what we want from a main cast member. And if there's anybody out there that doesn't see that, they're blind and they need to refocus because that is the kind of thing we want in this company. And here we are not only having you as a main cast member, but we're also doing this podcast. Now, what the hell does that tell you? And this is all John's idea. John came to me with this and that's why we're here. Very good. Hubris. It was an act of absolute hubris. This program is supported in part by Georgia Council for the Arts through the appropriations of the Georgia General Assembly. Georgia Council for the Arts also receives support from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. And thank goodness for organizations like these, because now more than ever, anybody sick of that phrase? Everyone knows how important the arts are, because where did everybody turn to? two years of health arts. Let's keep recognizing these amazing organizations for what they are and what they do. We love you. So let's talk about, um, you know, Chip brought up some things that you could go on and do, like MC, write sketches, teach. What's your plan? What are you working towards now? And how are you going to get there? Because if we know you're a planner, you've already admitted to that. So there is a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! It also encompasses improv outside of Whole World. Last season with Hal Peller, our first two episodes, he talked about being an implied improvisational professional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually attended their conference during COVID because it was an online conference. Mm -hmm. I actually signed up and went to every day of that. I actually took one of Hal's workshops outside of that. I started thinking about because obviously I love improv. I love everything about it. I love creating a reality that's never existed and it's the most ridiculous reality possible. 
But, you know, there are people out there that actually help other people. You know, there are people who use improv to help Alzheimer's patients. They use improv as like an occupational therapy. And I saw that and I was thinking, that's that, that's really noble, you know, to be able to use something that you love to maybe try to help people in some sort of way like that. That really kind of appealed to me. So the things that I've wanted to do here, yes, I've wanted to teach here, but I want to really be careful in learning how to teach here because teaching out there as an implied improv professional would be different. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something there. And I think that's part of my master plan of getting rid of corporate America, which is a really big thing with me right now. I've had enough of corporate America. I tried getting out once, didn't work out. Yeah. But my daughter is 17 now. So at 18, you know what? I want to be out. After she gets into college, after she settles into college, I'm going to be looking for my final date to get out of corporate America and fall back on maybe being something through implied improv or um, through voice acting or through writing or a combination of all. Yeah. And maybe I'll do a podcast about it. I love corporate America. I, I like done. the oddball. I love corporate America because we do a lot of corporate yeah. events. <laughs> I love corporate America because they pay me. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I get paid, but it's just not worth it. You know what? I just turned 50. There are other things in life. Wow. I, I just I'm turned 30, and I... You look at Chip. I mean, I'm 24. I can't really... Do you guys use parasites to stay so young? <laughs> I do. And I, I have leeches all over my body If anyone out there has a parasite, right you can send it to me at 1214 Spring Street, <laughs> Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. I would love your parasite. But I would say this. I think that... And I'm going to be completely transparent and honest here. There are a lot of times that when we are bringing people up through the ranks that I get shit from people that say, why are you working on this person? Or why are you giving this person the attention you're giving them? And there are main cast members that have doubts. And I'm always like, we work on a no judgment policy. You have to learn how to find the potential and each person that you work with. And no matter what it is, if you can put all the negative aside and find the potential, that's why I'm saying when you write a show, you write for the strengths first, then you give them a challenge. If you can find that in somebody, that's what helps them get their leg up. The support and you don't really realize that just a phone call or an email to somebody is so important because that one little thing, even a text message, brings them up because they know you're supporting them. And it's about finding each individual's potential. And I think with John, we've been very successful in finding a lot of your potentials. And I'm very glad that you're here. And I'm very glad that we're doing this. Thanks. That means a lot to me. So tender. How are you going to wrap that up, Daniel? I know. I know. <laughs> so tender. So tender. So, so wrap us up, Tanya, as my co-host today. Oh, yeah. So uh, this has been great learning about your improv journey, John. So what is a piece of advice that you would give someone that is looking at taking a class, looking at maybe even volunteering because you volunteered here as well? Well, and or even a apprentice that's in the cast right now. What's your advice yeah. to them? What's your advice? I am going to forego my advice. And I'm going to tell you something that Carlos Giron told me. And I want to pass this on because it meant so much to me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so first, I have to explain for those of you who don't follow the sports ball. I look at the players in magazines. Stop. <laughs> Stop. There's a term, it came from baseball, but the, the concept applies to all the major sports or major team sports. It's called the utility player. And it's kind of a, oh, bless his heart, he's a utility player. And what the utility player does, this guy, he hits in the low 200s, but he can play second base and shortstop. Or he could play third base and right field. Or he can catch or play third base. He can do multiple things. Multiple things that helps the team. So I was having a, um, I think when I was, I think Carlos and I, you know, we were talking, you know, and Carlos was my mentor. And I think the question that started was how certain MCs will write, were writing for me and certain um, other MCs. I'm like, is there a way to, I just had that like sort of unfinished question. And what Carlos said to me was, you know, John, when I see you, you know, for me, because you always do that, to me, you're a utility player. And, and he goes, I'm, I don't mean to insult you because utility player is kind of pejorative in sports. It's like, uh, he's just a utility player. But I knew he wasn't insulting me. Be a utility player because I know that your scene work is so good that I can put you in any game, in any show, with anybody, and you're going to make them look good. Just be a utility player. Wow. Good advice. Sage advice from well, Carlos Guerrero. God, I miss him. Well, thanks for uh, joining Chip and I. Chip and I's podcast will premiere next weekend. It's called <laughs> Parasite in Paradise. <laughs> it won't be edited by me. <laughs> and there are no dietary rules. You just eat whatever you want and God help you in the bathroom. There'll be no editing. We're just going to go straight through. So when we mess something up, right. bear with us. <laughs> and then they'll go, wow, John really could have fixed that in post. <laughs> I'm on a hiatus after this episode. Yay. Well, thank you so much for being with us uh, today, John. I am Chip Powell. I am Tanya Wagner. And scene. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. Admit it, this season would have been a lot better if it ended on a cliffhanger. We still got time to come up with one? The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive, producer, writer, and this season's improv MVP is Chip Powell. Recording, writing, and post-production by John Mihalik. If there is a season four, I know he'll think of some new things to call himself. MC King Mihalik. I now knight you, Lord Mihalik. Ladies' man, Mihalik. DJ Mihalik. Mr. Boombastic, Mihalik. Big Pimpin Mihalik. Uses turtle wax for beard moisturizer, Mihalik. Don't go chasing waterfalls, Mihalik. Original music by The Gentle Readers, and our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. You can even leave us one of those sarcastic reviews like you see on Amazon, because we love a good joke. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. And easier than trying to write off that new PlayStation as a business expense. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. 
Just want to tell everybody that we're all in this very weird time together. And maybe there's hope for the future, even if it doesn't seem like it. That sounds like a meaningless cliche, platitude, what have you. But just remember, it's important to seek out laughter, the arts, and know that there are good, kind, genuine people left in the world. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next season. Thanks. That was a good time. Yay, we've learned so much about each other. <laughs>